Willkommen, bienvenidos, Ayop, and welcome to Flicks and Scoops podcast, the only podcast that's blending together films and ice cream, I think. Each episode, my guest selects a film, I make an ice cream based on their choice, and then we scram the ice cream and talk about the film. This time around, we've got Julia on the podcast, who's the programmer for the British Shorts Film Festival in Berlin. We recorded this a while ago when we still had quite a few restrictions with Corona, so I wanted to wait to release it until the festival was definitely happening. I'm happy to say that that is definitely happening, so for you lucky punks in Burles, you can catch a bumper programme of British short films on indoor and outdoor screens, as well as photography exhibitions, live concerts, all sorts. It's on the 5th until the 11th of August. And if I've got one tip, I'd say try and get a ticket for the Boofer screening on the 6th because the outdoor cinema there looks incredible. Sure, it's going to be a great night. Anywho, Julia picked British indie flick Submarine, so I made a mint gelato, which you'll hear about in the episode. Obligatory spoiler warning. I think it's worthwhile to watch the film before listening, but even if you have seen it before, crack it on again or I'll get Alex Turner to send Miles Kane round to annoy the piss out of you. And now I'm going to annoy the piss out of you anyway with some zany miscellany. A bit of miscellaneous info about actor Billy Zane. Zany miscellany. When filming The Phantom, Zane had a habit of running out to buy sushi in his Phantom costume. Hmm. If you'd like to submit your own Zane miscellany, then email us at contact at flicksandscoops.com or send us a DM on a social. Here we go then. Flicks and Scoops, episode 19. Now it's time for ice cream. And you can get it right here. All right, Flicks and Scoops. I'm joined today by one of the founding members and programmer of the British Shorts Film Festival here in Berlin. Originally in Ostberliner, she made her way to Bedfordshire to study documentary filmmaking before returning to the Heimatland to set up the festival. Please welcome to the show, honorary Brit, Julia Elgar. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Pleasure. I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of uh, the hottest day of the year to sit inside and talk to me about films and ice cream. I'm sure there will be many more. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, a little bit fried. I think I fell asleep for a bit too long on Temple off earlier, but all good. <laughs> so straight off the bat, why Bedfordshire? Oh God, oh, that is a very, very difficult question. <laughs> I think um, it was uh, when I was sixteen. Uh, I spent a year going to college um, in Lincolnshire, and I did. Um, one year of a BTEC uh, National Diploma in Media Production, just because it seemed the most interesting thing to do because nothing like that is offered in, in Germany um, in a regular school context. So I kind of wanted to study that as my bachelor. And um, they had just uh, renovated uh, their media department with like, several million pounds so they had new edit suites and equipment and stuff and also uh it was kind of nice to know that if i wanted to go home i'm straight next to an airport that takes me home so yeah that's the useful thing about uh being here it's almost quicker for me to get home from here than it would be for me to get to london for example by the <laughs> by the train or whatever um 
But had, had you been to Bedfordshire prior to starting the course? I went for one day just to check out the university. Um, I was meeting a friend there and uh, just talked to some people, but I didn't I didn't really get an idea like of the place. And obviously, I mean, it's um, it's a bit rough. It's very different to Berlin. Um, but I felt that because I met so many great people and I actually had really good lecturers and enjoyed the course, um, that it very much made up for the environment. Well, like you said, it's, it's worlds apart from here. Uh, how was the transition to English life for I you? think quite easy in a way because um, it's not like I wasn't used to it. And also I think the biggest thing for people when they go to university is that they are usually, um, it's the first time they're moving out from home. So I think that usually for most people, that's the biggest challenge. I didn't really have that because I've already been uh, living away from home. Uh, and also, um, I, basically, I moved out from home when I was 16 and I lived together with a friend of mine uh, while I finished school. So um, it, wasn't, it wasn't that challenging for me. And as I say, I, I lived in England before. I was actually quite happy. <laughs> Nice. What's the uh, what's the thing that you miss the most about living in England? Uh, I actually uh, miss my friends, uh, especially at the moment, because I haven't been visiting them for over a year now, and um, I think that's I think it's very much people based. Actually, yeah, it's definitely not cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I mean. I can do some of the. I, I sometimes I sometimes cook British food here for my boyfriend and me. So I do that when I have um, when I have a strong desire for it. Yeah, but you know, I mean, chips and cheese on a Saturday. <laughs> and you were there studying documentary filmmaking, right? Um, do you prefer the documentary form to a, a more fictional style? Mm, I, as a viewer, I enjoy both of them equally but as um if i had a choice of editing a fiction film or a documentary film i would go for the documentary film um because obviously i mean that's all based on on uh, what's the topic is it interesting can i connect to it and engage with it but in general i find it i find it more challenging to establish a storyline and and a dramaturgy and you know, sort of like chip out the story in itself. So it's more, it's more to challenge yourself. Yeah. And it's also, I feel like, um, I feel more connected to, to the reality of it. I mean, obviously, you know, there's always a documentary film about, about how much is, you know, how much is real and what is real and what's your influence when you're there and shooting and stuff like that. But, you know, all that aside, just um, as a form, uh, I, I think um, to work on it, I prefer it. Yeah. What, was the, what was your master's film? My master's film was about, we had, well, it, was very, it was a very stressful year because it was, um, the, the bachelor was three years and then the master's one year. So it was very, 
dense. And I think I made like six short films, short documentaries in that time. Um, some of them longer, some of them shorter. But I think the one I liked most uh, was uh, one I shot here in Berlin. And it's, um, it's about the State Library in Berlin. Uh, they have a department uh, and an archive of around 40,000 books that were looted from Jewish homes um, from 1933 to 45. And um, there are all these books and they have little clues as to their owners in them. So you have like an ex libris, you know, that shows the name, which is often connected to uh, the jobs people had or their passions. Um, sometimes there are letters inside of them or um, a really old like checkbook from the bank um, or just very personal uh, dedications, you know, because it was given as a, as a gift. So I really, I really enjoyed that. You'll have to send it over because it sounds fascinating. Uh, the, the reason I asked is because um, I recently actually looked back at one of the films that I made when I was at uni, and it was humbling to see how shit it was. But but, <laughs> your, but, but yours sounds great. Uh, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to see it. It's. Um, I I know what you mean because uh, when when I look back at it, I I feel like um, the topic is good and it has some nice cinematography. But uh, it's it could definitely do with a bit of a punch. Like. <laughs> and then after that, you came back to Berlin to work in theatres. Was that as a producer? I kind of uh, slipped into that because I came back and then um, the uh, Schaubühner in Berlin, uh, they were looking for someone to establish a concept and actually shoot and edit uh the trailers for their productions. So I started doing that and that kind of like evolved in doing work for other theaters um, and also making short documentaries for them or image films, um, making offs for plays and things like that. And you're working as a editor now. Is that the discipline that appeals to you the most? Yes, it does. It took me a while to find that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, what, what do you think it is about editing that particularly appeals to you? I think it allows you to go down a rabbit hole into a different world. You know, you have a lot of footage usually. Um, you need to really engage with it. You're engaging with, with your director. Um, but it's it's a very mutual process of exchange and I just um yeah I just enjoy that very much because I also figured out by myself and that's something you know that that you learn over time that I I had jobs in production companies where you're basically communicating with 50 people at the same time and uh, I'm not really enjoying that I'm quite happy to have like five five key people to communicate with during a project and that makes me very happy. I get that. I get that. You can see Julia's handiwork in the Berlin set, softness of bodies. If um if you get a VPN then it's viewable on US Amazon Prime. Oh yeah. That's a good tip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just moving on to the Berlin Shorts Film Festival, if we may, because it's got a very Berlin 
story behind it? Because it started out as an underground film club, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't actively involved in that. I was uh, visiting basically British shorts. Uh, the main, the main people who founded it and who were doing the programming. Uh, are the same people now as they were back then. So it's me and it's uh, my boyfriend, uh, Jürgen, and uh, Andrea, who's owner of the fabulous Sputnik Kino in Kreuzberg, um, as well as um, Oliver. And um, Oliver, Andrea, and Jürgen, they had this, they had this film club uh, going, and uh, I liked to go there. And then when I moved to England to go to university, they were always very sweet and kind and interested in my short films, you know, like the early bad student uh, work uh, of mine. And then the idea was born that uh, we could put on a festival that showcases the films from my university, from the different years. So people actually get a chance to screen their work abroad for a night, you know, and, um, they don't have to pay a submission fee or anything. So, you know, they're just going to put it on. And uh, people came and they liked it. And then we opened it up in the following years. So now it's um, worked by film students, by professionals, by everyone, <laughs> basically. It seems to be going from strength to strength because you were saying you screened more than 200 films last year, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. And you decided not to take it online this year. Um, I must admit, I, the film purist in me does appreciate that. But it must have been a tough decision. I, well, it's a tough decision in a sense that you kind of feel that you want to do something and you want to put something out there. Um, but at the same time, the aim was always, especially because we are showing short films, you know, which are put online um, most of the time and also fairly quickly, um, the aim was always to bring them to the big screen. So none of us was really excited about the idea of doing an online festival. So uh, instead, uh, because the festival always takes place in January, we had to postpone and now we're kind of waiting for uh, the official sites to tell us what is possible and when will it be possible and it's going to happen. <laughs> so. Well, there's a preliminary date set of 27th of May to host a festival again, but like you said, getting the right um, the right permissions to put it on. I can't even imagine what the bureaucracy must be like, especially here, to get, to get it up and running. Is it, has it been a bit of an uphill struggle? It's, well... I think generally it's 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 not so complicated, but again, we don't really know how it's going to be. Like we don't know. It, it very much depends on what is allowed and what is allowed indoors and outdoors, and we're just going to have to see. But I mean, at the moment for twenty seventh of May, it does seem a bit unlikely. So <laughs> what we're doing is uh, we're preparing, uh, we're getting everything ready. And and then maybe it's gonna to have to be a bit more spontaneous, or we can push it towards later in the summer. But um, yeah, I think I'm very optimistic that it will take place. 
I think it's more a question of when and what will be the circumstances and how many people. Obviously, we're very well aware that it's not going to have the same atmosphere as it usually has. I don't know if you've ever attended, but um, we're always super lucky that people are so interested and they come and it's full and the mood is good and everyone's really excited and filmmakers come over and we have Q&As and, you know, it's just very... Yeah, we we usually have um, have live bands in the evening as well and stuff. So <laughs> I don't know how how that's gonna be and if that's gonna be possible. Well, like you said, I think the the vibe probably won't be as lively. But I must admit, I think people have they've got a real hunger for getting back into cinemas and you know networking and discussing films with people and stuff. So I think it's. I think it's still promising. Probably make a good uh, observational documentary, like a behind <laughs> the scenes of a film festival, Mr. Global <laughs> Pandemic. Yeah. yeah. I, I am like very excited about the programme we have as well, so I really can't wait to show it to people. <laughs> For now, though, let's forget everything else that's going on outside this Zoom call and get into submarine. Most people think of themselves as individuals, that there's no one on the planet like them. This thought motivates them to get out of bed, eat food, and walk around like nothing's wrong. My name is Oliver Tate. I have to say, Julia, you know I have to pander to your audience because I'm enamoured by the film. But for it, I've made a milk and peppermint gelato because when Oliver and Jordana kiss, he says that she tastes like milk, polo mint, and Dunhill international cigarettes. I did have some tobacco extract laying around, actually, but I haven't done a mint one before, so I didn't want to hamper the flavour, so yeah, I just used brown brown sugar instead uh, just to give it a little bit of a tobacco colouring. Did you guess that that was where the flavour was from? I had I had a guess, yeah. <laughs> nice. And how is it? Do you like it? I like it. You can be, you can be as honest as possible. <laughs> mm. I was actually... I was actually asked to save some of it for the others because we're treating this as a collective experience that I'm channeling. (laughs) So are you a flicker or a scooper? (laughs) That question is so weird. (laughs) I like to think of it as a funny one to to ease the guest into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, flicker. I knew that was going to be the answer before asking, but I have to <laughs> have to ask nevertheless. It's not much of a surprise. <laughs> but when you do eat ice cream, do you prefer it in a cup or a cone? Always a cone. Always a cone. Not even a cup as a treat once or twice. No, I don't consider it a treat. I, I kind of feel like it goes together very well. Why could I? Why would I? Why would I deprave myself of a cone? Do you not feel a little more? Elegant with a cup? I don't care much for elegance, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well answered, well answered. Um, what's your what's your favourite ice cream flavour? It's actually mint. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Great. It is. Great, I love it. It is. If there are like little um, uh, chocolate bits in it, additionally, that's sort of like the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Option. I would agree with that. You've got to have the chocolate chips in the mint. Uh, but I was, to be fair, I was pleasantly surprised with this one because I made my own mint extract, so I was a little bit worried it was just going to taste like uh, alcohol. But yeah, you were saying that it takes like a week. You put mint leaves in with uh, just some alcohol and then just leave it in there for a while and then you can pipette it. Mm. <laughs> is uh, Is ice cream usually your snack of choice when you go to the cinema? 
Uh, sometimes, but I think it's uh, usually like um, God. I don't know. I don't know the word for it, but not like ice on a stick or in a cone, but you know, like little. Oh, like the the bonbon things. Yeah. 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 So. I don't know why they make me feel like I'm a 70 year old woman, but I, <laughs> I don't know. I just like that. Yeah, right. But so. there's nothing wrong with um, looking forward to the future, I guess. <laughs> and again, this is going to be a silly question, but do you go to the cinema often? <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> on a re- <laughs> on quite a regular basis uh, when they're open. So, um, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Andrea she owns Sputnik Kino, and it's just uh i don't know if you've been but it's um i think it's one of the most beautiful cinemas like smaller cinemas that we have in the city and um uh we like to go there and watch films there and um it's also the home base of the festival so you know it's it's very important i love sputnik i like the community vibe of it sort of it's like that and um beware as well those sorts of places mm-hmm. that are a bit more low-key i like it but why did you choose Submarine? Uh, when I read your email and I was um, thinking about a film, it was a Sunday and I was a bit tired and I wanted, I don't know, I felt like I want something that, that uh, is very comforting and something that makes me laugh and um, something that's British and an independent film. And uh, I really like um, I really like the uh, films made by Warp Films. So I think yeah, I kind of kind of went for that. Also because for me it it has a British Shorts connection because um, we once presented the film when it was shown in Berlin. Ah okay. And we also um, had when Warp Films turned. 10 years old, we had a retrospective uh, showing a lot of different of their short films. And uh, one of the producers came over and it was just very, very nice. I think it was like a lovely evening. And, and uh, yeah, it's like on, on different levels, I kind of feel connected to the film. So. Do you remember the first time that you saw it? Was it particularly memorable? It was very nice. Yeah, I saw it at Berlinale. And it was actually, it was a little bit like a festival trip because I was there with the others from the team and we watched it together. And Richard Ayuado was there and uh, Joe Dunthorn, the writer of the novel, uh, the film's based on. And um, it was a very nice Q&A and and, and just a a lovely night out. They do seem like a very lovely bunch of people. (laughs) (laughs) It was... uh... But it's funny that you mentioned Warp because this is one of the few episodes that I've done where the film itself was a tad sentimental, I guess, for me. Um, I remember being quite excited about it being released because I'd just started studying film in Sheffield and uh, Warp films, I think they were even solely based in Sheffield at the time. Mm -hmm. So I remember there being a lot of buzz around and it's got a really nice quirky indie vibe to it that I think probably a lot of film students thought it's something that either they could or would want to make. Um, and then plus Alex Turner does the music, so it gets groupy points for that. From <laughs> <laughs> So I'll quickly touch on the music so I don't get too uh, 
too enrolled in it, but do you like the music in the film? Yeah, very much. Um, so much, in fact, that I bought the EP for friends and pestered them. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. And uh, they play it every time I visit them. Very cool. I'm instantly biased, but I think just a couple of things in its favour, mainly in reference to something I already said, how he didn't want to use um, music in there that would date it, which I appreciate quite a lot because I, I get a bit sick of films that use music in a lazy way. Like, oh, we're in the 80s now. Here's Sugar Hill Gang with Rapper's Delight. But I, I think the the timelessness works in tandem nicely with the rest of the film because it's sort of an age-old tale of teenage angst and love and what have you. Um, so it's got quite some nostalgic feel to it i think i think it plays uh very well to the um melancholic and nostalgic bits in it um and also with the super eight footage and stuff i think it just enriches it in a very nice uh way so yeah yeah, yeah for sure and it's kind of like an extension of um uh the main character's thoughts as well so it's it's kind of nice because He's constantly commentating what's going on and he's he's breaking the fourth wall and he's talking to us. And at the same time in these in these moments he's still there because the, the lyrics just seem like sort of like an inward directed extension of his thoughts in a way. So I yeah, I think it just works together very nicely. Agreed. Has uh, has the film had an influence on your life at all? Mm, can't really say so, but I think that if I had seen it when I was 15 or 16, I would have absolutely been over the moon. And I think it would have had a different, because I, I was a bit older when I watched it, so it didn't have it didn't have the same effect on me as it would have had I watched it when I was a teenager. It's like... Um, when I was 14, uh, I decided to go to the cinema on my own for the very first time. And um, I didn't know anything about the film, but it was Rushmore by Wes Anderson. And um, that just completely blew my mind. So I was thinking, oh my God, there are films like that? There's, there's humor like that? <laughs> I think it would have been a similar experience. <laughs> similar situation. I wouldn't say it's had like a specific influence but uh for certain projects that i've edited i've i definitely take on board this everything except the kitchen sink approach with regards to the style i like i like things that don't necessarily fit in boxes and you know utilize different techniques or styles so it probably had somewhat of an effect on how i edit maybe i mean i can think of at least one music video i did where it was i did the eight millimeter <laughs> look which is a bit hack but you know who cares <laughs> do you find the style distinctive or derivative uh, uh it's i find this question really difficult to be honest because i kind of feel that uh i have absolutely no doubt that 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 uh, richard Ariade was in full control of a vision he had and, and that he did things the way he wanted them to do. So it's sort of like a really um, uh, classic auteur position. 
but he's borrowing a lot. Like you, I think everyone has different, um, makes different connections, but I think like in the beginning, uh, when the film starts, I think Oliver, he really reminds me of Harold from the film Harold and Maud, you know, <laughs> um, just because of the way he looks and then uh, the way he walks around with his briefcase and Ernest look, that's that's kind of Rushmore for me as a, as a reference. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, when they are in the forest and um, they bully um, uh, their fellow uh, school pupil, I think Zoe, uh, and she falls into the water and then it stops and you have this sort of like frozen moment of the camera moving around. That's kind of like Michel Gondry for me. I don't know. It's very different influences um, or things that remind me of influences. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to say are they um, are they strictly intended to be like that, but I don't really care because they're so nicely interwoven um, into the context, you know, it's not just style, but it's actually, it's 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 actually related to the content. Yeah, precisely. It it's the it's the context of the film, which is why it works. Because we're being told the story by Oliver, who explains it all as though he's living a film. So it makes complete sense that you've got all these sorts of different visual styles and influences, um, especially the types of influences. Um, because I guess from what we can gather about his taste in films, he seems like the kind of person who's into French New Wave and <laughs> more independent cinema. Um, and uh, to be fair, I don't think Ayoade's tried to hide his influences of whoever, Truffaut, Goddard and the likes. He's, he's been quite open about it. So I think, yeah, I, just, I, think, I, think it's, um, I think it's original in the sense that, that he plucks and picks elements and styles and ideas from all sorts of directions that makes it make it seem so effortlessly great well it's really difficult to to not be somewhat imitative these days i find um and especially when you're drawing on these bigger directors because they almost become code for something in a more broader sense so like you mentioned Rushmore, like Wes Anderson, for example, his name gets thrown around to identify something quirky or, you know, something's Lynchian if it's weird. And these references change, I suppose, as culture evolves. But yeah. What effect do the locations have on the film? It's, well, it looks very beautiful to me. There's an element of bleakness to it, though, but that makes it nice as well. <laughs> Um, and it seems very secluded, like not a town, but rather a village. And I think at some point he talks about a village, but I think it was, was it filmed in Swansea? I've never been there. Me neither. But it was an interesting point what you said about the, the sort of isolation of it, because it's, it's quite a good visual representation of what's going on in the film. Like there's a lot of locations that, um, mix like natural and man-made which feeds into the subjectivity of it of the of the narrative like we're never quite sure how much is reality how much of what we're seeing is Oliver's version of things um and then yeah like his, his house on top of the hill 
where him and his dad, you know, enveloped themselves in this depressed isolation. And then when, I think it's the week of being in love, I think he says that they're playing out their romance. They're in places like abandoned theme parks. And you really get this impression that they're isolated from from the rest of the world. No, it's nice. It's, I, I think it's very beautiful. But I also, <laughs> I also like the fact that when he's, when he's walking home and he says that his parents... Sort of like always point out what a lovely scenery they're surrounded with. And he just says, I don't think I believe in scenery. (laughs) (laughs) And how much do you think the film complies with teen movie conventions? Uh, In some aspects, I guess. Uh, But I think mainly because that is, unless circumstances are very different for a character, there are certain conventions that apply because that's just their universe. Like there's a school setting, you know, there are different characters. You have, um, you have a nerd, you have a bully, you have peer pressure. Um, uh, obviously, okay, there's a romance in the center of it. Um, but despite the fact that there is a lot of um, teenage angst and so much awkwardness. I mean, there's awkwardness all the way, um, <laughs> except for the moments when um, Oliver and Jordana are actually together. They kind of seem to comfort each other. So that's that's. I think those are the moments when when it when it gets less awkward. But in general, uh, I, I'm I'm not sure if it has so much of a of a, a classic teen movie. Because there's also a lot of focus on the parents and and their relationship and and everyone everyone in this film just seems kind of like inadequately equipped to deal with life, no matter if they're a teenager or if they're an adult. Very good point, actually. All the issues transcend age. Fundamentally, I thought it had quite a few conventions that were in teen movies, but but you've raised a very good point there. (laughs) Well, you touched touched on them already. Um, You know, coming of age story, you've got the bullying, first love, trying to fit in or not fit in, as the case may be, Uh, teenage rebellion, teenage angst, relationship or conflict with parents. Yeah, I thought in that sense it sort of complied with the, the teen movie things and... Maybe I was thinking more about recent ones like Moonlight or Ladybird, Call Me By Your Name. The genre has evolved quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, and it, yeah, it's, I guess it's more an artistic way than what we're used to. So in Submarine, it's kind of the same thing of putting a more art house spin on traditional conventions. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I, as I say, I wouldn't uh, dismiss that. There are crossovers um, to teen movie um, conventions, but I find it quite interesting because I don't have the feeling like uh, both of them, as uh, teenagers, they are not really, they're not really seeking independence, or they're not really drawing a line between themselves and their parents, which I kind of find is quite often a topic, you know, like. There's not really that kind of conflict between them and their parents in a traditional sense as we know it. Um, they're rather worried about them, which I find quite interesting, you know. <laughs> so, 
And I think it might also be because it's not, um, because it's based on a novel and it's not been exclusively written for the screen. I think that, that also has the effect that it's a bit different. Yeah, that's maybe the, the, the difference in styles also reflects that it's more of a novel. <laughs> I like the face you make. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very furrowed brow. Have you, have you read the book? No, I haven't actually. I, I kind of, I, I'm a bit worried that it's uh, too good and that it's <laughs> going to take away um, something from the film. I don't know. I mean, that's utterly stupid, um, but I think, um, I don't know. I find, I find it usually helps reading a book and then watching the film. I don't think it's stupid at all. If I read the book, I know that I would just be constantly thinking about the film. In fact, the only one that I have read that was very good on its own was No Country for Old Men. But I think that's, yeah. almost, that's almost because the book is, it's like a script. They almost. only, they only uh, cut off 30 minutes in the end, basically. Like if you would translate it, back, it's so identical. But otherwise, I've, I've been disappointed one or the other way. So it's it's forever a decision, either the book or the film. <laughs> Which character do you relate to, if any? Or is there anything in the film that particularly resonates with you? I would love to say um, Graham, uh, Petty Consident, but oh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... I I definitely... When, when I was uh, Oliver's and Jordana's age, I certainly had a hair style that was a cross between the two of them. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I think... I don't know. I really, I really like uh, Jordana um, as a character, but also in terms of her, because she's very strong and she's very determined, and she makes the rules, you know, um, of which I find hilarious. Because I think when I was that way, I was not like that. I was not. I was not saying to uh, my boyfriend, okay, uh, no uh, hand holding, no pet names, no emotions, you know. <laughs> That wasn't that was definitely not the case, but I, I like watching her. Um, but also Oliver. And I think in terms of connecting to it, uh, I'm I'm I think I have a tendency to get lost in like daydreams and imaginative scenarios that happen. Not that I imagine my own death and people um grieving and then my own resurrection. It's no <laughs> But um, everybody does, right? Not so far. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about yours. <laughs> In terms of like uh, day day dreams or just playing out like absurd imaginative scenarios, um, I, I feel I feel a bit connected um, uh, to Oliver. I'd say, and in general, because uh, I mean, as I as I mentioned. Um, when I was that age, approximately, uh, I lived in England, and because it was such an adventure, you know, no parental supervision, basically, and um, studying what you wanted, and 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 meeting people, and 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 having a boyfriend there, and I I feel um, in general quite 
nostalgic towards that time. So I kind of, I don't know what it is because there's no, not much of a correlation there between the film and, and what happened, but I think it's because the age and just that feeling and excitement and, and awkwardness and confusion and fun and freedom. So yeah, I think that that plays into it. Yeah, totally. I get that. There's quite a bit in it that I would uh, relate to Oliver. I think definitely being a bit weird at school, probably mostly on purpose to be to be different. <laughs> but but then it's interesting, like art house cinema and general awkwardness when I was younger. And you you said about you you don't imagine people at your funeral and stuff. I definitely have. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> or maybe, maybe not that, but definitely imagining your life play out like a film. You you must have had that at some point. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's I I I always have to laugh um, at this at this moment when uh, when he's handing over the pam- the pamphlet for the girl he bullied and then just suddenly says like completely self absorbed again and it's like I sometimes wish a film crew would follow me wherever I go. <laughs> Yeah, who wouldn't love that? What's, uh, <laughs> what what genre would your film of your, would the film of your life be? Oh, I don't know. I hope it's not a video nasty, but it's <laughs> <laughs> very good. What's uh, what's your favorite scene? I think well, there are several moments that are just great, but I think one of my favorites is actually when um, his mom doesn't believe him that he has a girlfriend. And then he, uh, she believes him and then sends his father up to talk to him, although no one knows what exactly they should talk about. And he just comes in and says, your mom, your mother tells me you have a girlfriend. Um, is there anything I can help you with? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he gives him uh, this mixtape that he made that also at the end included some a selection of breakup songs just in case. Playing on this British awkwardness as well. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are situations. My favourite scene's gotta be when Oliver goes to spy on his mum and then he sees the Graham Purvis show. Cause the the one liners that are on semi automatic fire in that scene. I think the use <laughs> the use of language in a comedic sense is exquisite. And but Paddy Constantine is not really known for his comedy chops, but his delivery is brilliant. I'm constantly quoting. That's not mad, okay? Because it <laughs> it really tickles my funny bone that sort of humor when when someone says something like that and then it instantly makes them sound more mad. Do you have a favorite fact or piece of trivia about the film? I think I always liked that the um. Joe Danson wrote the novel and it was his uh, first novel, like his debut. Um, and he was living together with um, Ellie Gibbs and Ellie Gibbs was an intern at Warp Films. Ah, okay. And brought the book forward to them. And uh, this also being Richard Ayuada's debut feature film, I kind of like, the um, notion of there are these people getting together and it's a first for all of them and something very beautiful results. I didn't know that. Yours is way better than mine because mine's not even trivia. 
but I, I, le- <laughs> I learned I learned a new term while I was researching this, which is uh, Bildungsroman, which I guess you know already, but it's a, a literary genre focusing on the growth of the protagonist from uh, from youth to adulthood. It's a German term, obviously. <laughs> uh, it was, who was it? Coined in 1819 by philologist Karl Morgenstein. Can you say it again? Because I'm not quite sure I caught it. Bildungsroman. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. I remember that from German literature classes. <laughs> it's always my accent that does it. It's uh, <laughs> it's a real it's a real pain in the ass. Me living here. What is light? What is light? How important is light? Okay, let's think about that for a minute. Because it seems very basic and banal, but it's not. It's loaded. Bloody nail bomb. Julia, can I ask you, have you rated a film before? Uh, well, <laughs> in the context of programming, you sort of have to. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Uh, not, not officially. <laughs> I, can't, I can't talk about our system, but... <laughs> Well, uh, on Flicks and Scoops, we also have our own system. It's the scoop system. And what I'm going to ask you to do is rate the film out of five scoops. So <laughs> Julia is going to give some read. Mm, I'm going to need a very big cone because it's going to be five. It's going to be five. <laughs> Stack them up high, baby. <laughs> I think maybe in general terms, maybe it's a... F- Four scoop film, but for me, because there's so much else tied into it of time and place, it just gets that extra one on top. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it definitely has something to do with um, a certain emotional involvement that very much depends on the person watching it. Beautiful. Well, um, thanks so much for taking this time out of this incredibly beautiful day to come and sit and <laughs> There's still shit. some left of it. There's still some left. Let's get outside. Uh, just before we go, though, uh, could you tell people where they can find you, uh, you know, the British Shorts Film Festival, what socials, website, that kind of thing? Yeah, um, definitely. So uh, you can find us on uh, britishshorts.de and we are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and should be very easily found. So uh, we're going to update everything once we know what's happening. And hopefully we're going to see everyone outside and inside and happily and watching movies. Fingers crossed. Can't wait. Well, Juliet, pleasure. Thanks ever so much. Chat to you soon. Thanks so much. There we have it. Big thanks to Julia for taking the time to humour me and make sure you go watch something at British Shorts next week. Annoyingly, I'm back home, so I'm having to live vicariously through you lot. It's still summer, which means we're still doing Flicks and Scoops pop-up shops at the Crazy Bastard Kitchen, so it's a bit too hectic to be pumping out loads of podcasts. But rest assured, we've got some big things coming up when summer's over, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, please do follow us on Instagram at Flicks and Scoops so you can keep on top of occurrences. And be a doll and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode in a bit. Now it's time for ice cream. And you can get it right here. Ice, 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 ice.
ice cream.